Well, good morning, Hope City Church. Well, good morning, Hope City Church. Hey, there's my, there's my second service, people. Hey, my name is, is Pastor Joe, and, and alongside uh, my wife, Karen, we serve here at the South Louisville location as, as the campus pastors. And, and no matter where you're finding yourself today uh, listening to this message, either here in this room right now with us, or maybe you're watching uh, in Shepherdsville at our Shepherdsville location. Can you guys uh, welcome Shepherdsville? We're so glad that they are a part uh, of our church family. Just know that each week, Hope City Church is one church in, in two locations. Or, or maybe you're listening in the future on the, on the podcast or, or through the app. We are so glad, no matter how you're a part, that you are a part of, of today. And so what, uh, what I want to talk to you about here is, is over the past few weeks here at Hope City Church, we have been working through a, a, a series of messages, and we, we are calling it Straight Out of the Old Testament. And what we're doing is, is we're getting a, t- a chance to talk about a series of messages all taken out of this book, this old book that, that, that the truth of God's word has lasted thousands and, and, and thousands of years. And, and maybe you're familiar with some of the Old Testament. You, you grew up going to, going to Sunday school or, or your parents or, or maybe a grandparent taught you uh, these stories, uh, you know, that you would hear in, in, in kids' church or or maybe this is the, the first time that you're hearing one of these messages. And, and, and if it is, let me know that, let you know that I'm excited for you, that you get to hear and be a part of this, story, this series of messages that are, are, that are working through, through God's truth. And just know that um, I'm part of a, a growth group here at Hope City Church. And, and, and growth groups are a, a group of people that meet each week and, and we talk about the messages that, that are preached and, and taught on a Sunday. Uh, we sit together and, and we, we, apl- we learn how we can apply those messages and those truths throughout the week. And, and my growth group is very, very diverse in our church history, our church background. And, and the one, that's one of the great questions that we've had during this season of growth groups is, hey, have you heard this story before? And it's like, oh, I, I've never heard of Naaman or I've never heard of, uh, of the story of Nehemiah. Like, I've never heard of those. And those were some of the stories we talked about. But today, what I am going to talk about is I am going to talk about the story of creation. Maybe some of you guys in the room have heard of the story of creation. Uh, it, 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 a lot of people know the stories because, honestly, it, it's in the front of the book. It's the first story in the Bible. I don't know if you know, but where do we usually start in a book? In the front. So you probably opened it up and you found that. But let me read this to you. In Genesis 1, 1 and 2, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty and dark and covered in deep water. And the Spirit of God was hovering over that surface of water. Now, what do you do when, when your life, uh, it, it feels chaotic? You know, let me, let me ask you this. The, the definition of the, of the word uh, chaotic is complete disorder and, and confusion and, and in physics, they define it as something so unpredictable as it to be random. Who in their life today has experienced randomness in, in their life? Uh, you know, it, it goes on to say that, that, that chaos is defined as formless matter to have existed before creation. Did you catch that? So the definition of what happened before God created it was formless, dark, and empty. 
I, I don't have to tell you guys in the room what the definition of chaos is and what it describes, because I bet for some of y'all in the room, your life, it, it feels chaotic. Is anybody feeling a little chaotic today? Like, you, you've got randomness in your life. There are dark moments. There are things that are, are shapeless and formless that you can't describe. Well, when confusion and, and, and madness sets in, it can describe the life of your day. Here are some areas in our life that we might be feeling chaotic right now. Is, does your parenting life feel, feel chaotic? You know, you, your kids are always hitting each other. They decide to have a sword fight and put one of the swords through, through your big screen TV. Or, or, or maybe you can't count on your hands how many diapers you've changed in the last 24 hours. You know, you, you, your kid, you, you had to go out and buy this minivan because of all these kids. And now that minivan needs an oil change, it needs tires, it needs tie rods, whatever those are. Like, this thing has fallen apart. You're like, what is going on? I'm just trying to have a family, and now I've got all this mess. I never even wanted the van in the first place. And, 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 but maybe your parenting chaos looks different today. Maybe the parenting chaos in your life looks, is she ever going to get married? Is my son ever going to move out of this basement how is he going to pay all of this student loan debt off? So, like, there's all kinds of different chaotic seasons in parenting. What about, what about marriage? Your marriage can look chaotic because the only form of communication you have with your spouse right now is an argument. There's always time for everybody else but me. You, she wants to try counseling again. You think to yourself, if he would only change, things would get better. When the thought of till death do us part, it has you, it has you dying on the inside. Your, your marriage can feel, feel chaotic. Maybe your career is chaotic right now. You, you went to school, you got the degree, you landed the job, but every day you leave feeling un, unfulfilled. You, 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 you know that uh, you've heard rumors at work that that they may be laying people off because of changes. Maybe your career looks this way. You never thought you'd have to work two jobs, but it's the only way you can make ends meet. Your, your career has no direction. You, you don't know which, which, what job you're supposed to take, what career path you're supposed to follow, and, and that leads into another chaotic place in your life, and, that, and that's your finances. You, you've got debt collectors that call you more than your own mother. You, 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 you never have enough money for the month. You know, you, you know that like going and getting a payday loan is a bad idea, but you've got kids and, and the rent's due, so you've, you've got to do, do something. Or maybe the medical bills keep showing up from when that time your spouse was sick and, and you don't know how you're going to handle them, but they just keep coming and coming and coming. And, and that, can, that, can make you feel, that can make you feel chaotic. Well, the three words that described what life was like before God created the earth we read that here a second ago. It was in Genesis 1-2, and it said formless, the, the earth was formless, empty, and dark. Maybe those three words describe the, the season that you're in right now, the season of, of, of formlessness. You, you, your life has no real shape, no, no direction. Nothing's really happening. Or maybe your life feels empty. You don't, you don't know what the meaning of your life is. You, 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 you've accomplished some things but yet you still feel unfulfilled. Or, or maybe you find yourself a lot of the times asking yourself this question, why, why am I here? 
Or maybe today, chaos in your life is real darkness. It's sickness. It's depression. It's addiction. There's real sense of hopelessness, this overwhelming fear that you have. Well, if you feel that way today, there is good news in that very same verse. If we read in Genesis 1-2, we continue reading, it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering. How does that make you feel today? To know that the Spirit of God is hovering over the chaos. God doesn't hover hover over our chaos because he's some helicopter God or or he's worried you're going to break it or or he's worried you don't know what to do. No, God hovers over the chaos in our life is because he's with us. He's hovering over the chaos in our life because he is for us. Think about this. Maybe, maybe your God is hovering over your job right now, even though your coworkers are crazy, you're, you're overworked, you're, you're underappreciated. You leave work every day trying to find a way to not have to come back. Your job seems like it's the furthest distance from God's kingdom. But know that God is hovering over that right now. Know that God is hovering over your home. When mountains of laundry, dirty dishes, nasty bathrooms, when you and your spouse are at each other's throats, yelling in the kitchen, God is hovering over that situation. God is hovering over that chaos. When, the, when your husband comes home late from work and he's short with the kids because he's tired, when your basement has flooded three times in, in one year, maybe just me, God is hovering. God is hovering over that. You think about it. The one place on this earth that you would think would be a place of peace has become just this place of chaos. God is still hovering, hovering over that. Maybe I need you to know tonight, today, that God is hovering over your Friday night. Even though you, you promised you wasn't going to go out no more, you wasn't going to go out, and now you know it's Friday night and it's really late again. You've made a couple bad decisions, and now guilt and shame are your best friends next to the peer pressure of your friends that brought you out. Or maybe the chaos in your life is due to a sense of loneliness, and you find yourself on a Friday night just scrolling through the apps, swiping right, hoping to make some sort of connection that would feel and calm the chaos in your life. Just know that, that God is, is hovering over that situation where you find yourself. You know, maybe I need to let you know that, that God is hovering over your classrooms. You know, I'm a parent. I got, I've got three kids in, in school, and, and we, love, we love their school. But, you know, maybe you need to know today that even though your daughter's best friend got jumped and beat up in the bathroom, and you're worried that, it might happen to her next. Or maybe you think, man, is this cool you're ever going to end? Or, or maybe, you have, maybe you're a teacher today and you're questioning these budget cuts and this thought of lost benefits makes you question if this career path was even worth it. God is hovering over that right now. He's waiting there to be a part, to come in on that chaos. And how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel that know that he's right there waiting to bring order, bring a sense of direction, to bring 
and order to, to the chaos in your lives. Well, today, for the, for the time that, that we have left together here, we're going to talk about some things that God did in creation to help deal with the chaos. See, God created the whole world in seven days, and he did seven things to call chaos into order, that darkness, that formness, that, that shapeless matter. He called it into order, and he did it in seven ways. But in the time that we have left today, we're going to talk about four of them. We're talking about the four ways that, that God calms the chaos. Uh, on your sermon guide, we've got some places to fill in some blanks. They, they have the scriptures that we'll be reading. If you'd like to follow along, there are Bibles underneath every chair here and, and in, in Shepherdsville, or you can follow along in the, uh, on the screen behind me. But here we go. Let's read uh, Genesis 1. It's in the very front, front, of your, front of your Bible. It's on page 3 if you're using the, using the Pew Bibles. The first way that, that God calms the chaos in our life is through boundaries. Let me, let me read this to you. Genesis 1, 3 through 5. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that that light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. When your life feels chaotic, it it's often can be because of times because you don't have boundaries. God took, these, took this whole mass of, of chaos, of shapelessness and formlessness, and he called it into order. And the first thing he did is he started separating and categorizing things. Day, night. And, and, and creating boundaries and, and chaos, God calms the chaos by putting, by putting things in their place. There has to come a time in your life where you are comfortable with saying this phrase. I don't know what I'm going to do but I know what I'm not going to do. When you start putting structure and order and boundaries in your life, you'll know when that next decision comes up what, it's gonna, what decisions you're going to make. When you know what, what your absolute no is and what your absolute yes is, when you've got decisions to make, you can flow with those decisions. You know, another way to think about that is, is think of it like this, speaking of flowing. Think of like a, a, mighty, a mighty river. Uh, think of like the, the Ohio River here in South Louisville. It's not too far from us. Or for the people in Shepherdsville, uh, I tried to use an example earlier, it's the, the Salt River. I don't know how mighty the Salt River is, but hey, it is, it, it is in Shepherdsville. It's not too far from a location. So just think through the, the mighty Salt River, right? But what makes what makes a mighty river flow is strong banks. No matter how, far, how hard that water pushes or how, how fast that current flows, what keeps order in that river? Banks, boundaries, limitations. I know how fast and how far and how quick I can flow when I know where to go. I know if I'm up against it, hey, I'm married now. That means I can only date my wife. Married doesn't mean no more dating. You date one person. That means, you, that means we're going to stop here. I, I'm sober now. I'm sorry, drinking buddies. I can't answer the phone anymore when you call me. Like, I'm not doing that no more. Boom, you're down here. Kids, hey, listen, I got to be home. I can't work 20-hour shifts. I can't work six days a week. I have a family now. So when your boss calls... Hey, man, I can't answer the phone anymore. I'm off the clock. I'm, not, I'm, I'm home with my family. So once you know 
what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, you can get down to doing what you need to do. You've, you've got these boundaries in your life. And you're like, all right, here's my life. Here's my work. Here's my friends. Where's the chaos? Oh, it's, I've got everything in order. I've got, I've got, it, all, I've got it all lined out. Just think of this. When, when, when a river, when things get messy and a flood happens, it's because why? It's because it overran its banks. So when your life is, is in disorder, when your life is in chaos, what do we hear? One of the definitions, when your life feels frenzied, it may be time to inspect the boundaries that you have in your life. So what are the boundaries in your life that, that, you, need, that you need to put in place? Having strong boundaries helps you control the chaos. The second way that, that God calms the chaos in our life is through seasons. And, and, and let me read this to you. It, it, it's Genesis 1.14, still on page 3. It says, Then God said, Let the lights appear in the sky and separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days and years. When thinking about seasons, what, what, what comes to mind? Tax season? Wedding season? Graduation season, some, some of y'all? Graduation season? Or also, I, I would say this for the people in the room, but they're not here, because what about lake season? Who's ready for lake season? Some of y'all have already went on and started into, into lake season. But there, there are differences in, in, in seasonings. And seasonings, what, Lowry's and, sorry, there are differences in, in the seasons. There are differences in the seasons. And, and, and the thing is, is in each season, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Like, you need, to, you need to prepare. There's times that you need to just hold on. And there's sometimes that they need to end. And you just need to recognize what, what season of life that you're in. There'll be seasons of joy, seasons of peace, seasons of calm, seasons of chaos, and seasons of loss. No, I, I, read, I read this to you. Let me read it again. It says, let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. In that part of the verse, the, script, the, the Bible is talking about the stars in the sky. But for me, when I'm going through a season of life, when a day feels like a year, when, when the season is so heavy, the days just go on and on, and I feel like I'm never going to get out of this season. What does the Bible tell me to do? Let them signs be marked so I can look to the sky, and I can see the seasons changing. And as I look to the sky, I can look to the one from where my help comes from. As I recognize that I am just in a season, I can also recognize that these seasons are part of God's plan. It was no accident that God put seasons in our life. It's to let you know that there are times that you need to invest. There are times and seasons you need to double down. But there are also to let you know that seasons will change. Listen, parents, it's not always going to be this way. You're not always going to have that moment where you get to stare at your baby in your arms and, and dance in your little living room and hallway and say, oh, my precious baby, because your wife is seven months pregnant with the next one. And you're like, oh, my precious babies. <laughs> and, and, and you have, you, you're that season. Yes, embrace the season, but know that if I'm only worried about my tiny baby girl, I'm not going to be ready for my baby boy. I've got to learn how to stretch and grow. 
What, what are you learning in the season of life that you're in right now to prepare you for the next season of life? If you're single, let me tell you, the best time to learn how to be faithful to your spouse is when you're single. If you can't be single and happy with yourself, being married won't solve that problem. Let me put it to you this way. You need to train today for the tomorrow that you want. You've got to get ready right now for what you want tomorrow. What lessons are you learning in this season of life that are preparing you for the next season? If you're not, if you seem like, oh, I'm in a season of financial stress, and that season's been eight years, you're probably not in a season. You're probably in a debt cycle, and you're not learning the lessons that you need to learn. You're not learning the lessons that you need to learn. I'll tell you this before we move on out of seasons. Seasons come and go, like winter, spring, summer, and fall. God created the seasons from the beginning. It's a template. It's to let you know that things can and will change. You know, there are going to be seasons where you just need to hold on. God, I don't know. I'm just trusting you. And then there are seasons that you need to prepare. If I went out right now and tried to run a mini marathon, you know what I'd be? I'd be in trouble. Because I haven't been running, y'all. You know, two years ago, I ran a mini marathon. You know why? Because... I knew when it was, and eight months before that, I started working for it. But if I went out today and tried to go work for it, I would not be ready. So, what in this season of life are you learning right now that is preparing you for the next season? The third way that God calms chaos is through relationships. Let me read this to you. In Genesis 25 through 27, Genesis 1, 25 through 27, God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals. Each was able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky and the, and all, and, and the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth. The small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in our own image, male and female. You see, in the, in the order of creation, the very last thing that God created, we'll get to that in a minute, but before that was man. You look at the ground, the sky, the sea. He, he, he's like, we took this form of shape and dry ground happened. He made the scurried animals. He made the birds. He made the livestock. He made the small animals. And then what did he do? He formed man and woman in his image. Let me tell you today that every man, woman, and child on this earth were created to look like God. And they are the most precious thing in his sight. He cares more about every man, woman, and child than you should care about your labradoodle. If I'm looking in order, bird, small animal, big animals, humans, dogs, human. Okay, I'm sorry. I love your puppy, but I'm going to love every man, woman, and child because they are made in the image of God. Moving on, dog people, I'm sorry. (laughs) But, it, but you, you, you look at this, God, God created us to be in community together. He created us to, to, have, to have friendships, to partnerships, to, to be co-workers, PTA parents, dance moms. Yeah. 
God created us to be dance moms together. God, God, there are all kinds of ways that we're supposed to interact together. I'll I'll tell you a a story that happened to me this week. Uh, Pastor Megan Gardner, uh, she uh, is hired not only to with Pastor Jono at our South at our Shepherdsville campus as a campus pastor, but she is working as the the general manager at Shiloh's. Shiloh's is a a coffee shop we're opening up in, in Shepherdsville. And I have this great relationship with them, being on staff here and being a part of the coffee shop as the in-house coffee connoisseur. And so as my neediness, I mean, desire to want to understand how coffee was made, I got to go to the training. And well, we went to this place, and it was called, it was called Sundergrass. And Sundergrass, it was started by two guys that could be completely opposites. One dude was super artsy, and one guy was super analytical. And that's why their stores are really eclectic and funky, and their coffee is perfect every time. It's because this guy did that part, and the other guy did this part. But they talk about, in the training, this word, sundergrass. And what that means is, is co-laborer. And I thought, how beautiful is that word? That God created us to co-labor together. My wife Karen and I, we co-labor in our marriage. She labored the kids. But we co-labor in our relationship together. Pastor Katie, Pastor Jason, Pastor Andrew, myself, Pastor Jono, we co-labor for the cause of Jesus through Hope City. There are all kinds of relationships that you co-labor together that should have a common bond. Let me read this to you out of, uh, out of Ecclesiastes 4, 9, uh, 4, 9 through 12. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can help them out. But if the other one falls, you're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. Let me tell you what our relationship should look like. They should look like this, and this should look like this in Ecclesiastes 4. Your relationships should not cause chaos. Your relationship should, what did it say? Be set up to succeed. You are not meant to be alone. If you fall, you should have relationships that pick you back up. If you are cold, you should have someone that keeps you warm. Remember I was talking about my spouse? There we go. That's our relationship. Like that is like part of God's plan is for someone to be together, to keep us warm, to call us out on our junk. There's, we need relationships for us to pray together, to say, hey, listen, you were being snarky to your kids Let me talk to you about that. Hey, you know what? Maybe you're spending too much time at work. Let me help you get through that. Relationships are meant to help calm the chaos, not cause the chaos, right? So what relationships in your life do you need to evaluate right now? Are they causing chaos? Are they calming chaos? And as we're closing here today, I would just like to tell you the fourth way that that God calms the chaos in our life, and that's through rest. It's no accident that God put this at the end. No one, and uh, I just read a minute ago where God created us in his image. He said, we'll create him and we'll look in his image. You know what, we look like God. In, in another part in, in Genesis, it says that he formed Adam from the dirt in the ground and then breathed life into him. There is no other creation that has the breath of life in us but us. 
That's why your dogs and lizards and, and plants are different because God created those things, the earth formed those things, but God breathed life into us. And that is where our likeness differ. It starts, that's where our likeness ends. We look like God, but guess what? We're not God. We're not limitless. We're not almighty. We're not all powerful. We are, a, we are a limited, finite resource of energy and ability. And, and, and what we need to do is we need to understand that we are not the God of our chaos. We need to learn to do what God did, and that is take rest from the chaos. You need to take time and relax. You need to take time. Like God said, he sat back from all of his work of creation. Take time this summer. Take days off. Go do nothing together with your family. You need to make a plan to do nothing together. You need to make a plan to do nothing. You need, you need to rest. Read a book. Go fishing. You know, we only touch, I left my Bible, but listen, we, 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 we only touch this, the very first part of the second chapter of the book. Resting isn't giving up. Resting isn't quitting. Resting is taking a break. If you look at your Bible and look how thick it is, and look how many pages past page four there are. God took a nap, took a day off, and then what did he do? He got back to work. And then what did he do? He followed the plan of creation. I'm going to set some boundaries. I'll create some seasons. There'll be relationships in those seasons. Rest. I'll set some boundaries. I'll, I'll create some seasons. There'll be some, rest, uh, there'll be some relationships. I'll rest. Taking a break from chaos is not giving up. It is giving you room to let God do what only he can. Let me put it to you this way. If you spend 100% of your time doing all that you can, you leave no room in your life for God to do what only he can. One more thing and I'm done. Seven days of creation. We only talked about four of them. We talked about boundaries. We talked about seasons. We talked about relationships. And now we're talking about rest. If you look at creation, there's seven days. God worked for six. Let's do some math here. Six over seven. If you take that fraction, you break it down in percentage, it's about, 80, it's about 85%. There's 85% of your life, you go hard. You touch every relationship you go through every season. You, you, you work every boundary line that you need to work. But then there's 15% of your life that you need to say, God, this is yours. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to go rest in your creation. So the last thing that you need to do today is just evaluate your season right now, your life, and say, am I resting? Let's pray. God, we just uh, thank you. God, we just thank you that you've given us this template, this, this order of creation, God, that, that helps us calm the chaos in our life. God, I'm also so thankful that right now in the midst of this chaos, the midst of the chaos of this world, that you are here hovering over us. God, you're hovering over the ones that need to create boundaries. God, you're hovering over ones that are in a tough season of life, God, you're hovering over those that, that, are, that need a, a relationship with you. God, you're hovering over us, waiting for us to come and, and to rest in you.
God, I, I pray right now, God, that, that we would be able to take the story of creation and calm the chaos in our life. Amen.